Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey everybody, um, welcome to the Finding Backcountry podcast. And man, we've got a new year, um, new new set of podcasts coming out. It's uh, January, whatever it is, 5th maybe. And, uh, man, just getting, it's that time of year getting jacked up about hunts coming up and, you know, testing out new gear and replacing new gear and kind of application season. And so, yeah, just kind of that time of year. So, uh, got a good, you know, I, I consider you a good friend. We, uh, I met Kyle, uh, it's been a few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, been three or four years. Four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. Met you at a trade show, and uh, it was funny because it was just like, you know, you were probably the most passionate person about hunting that I had ever talked to, and I thought I was passionate about hunting. And I was just kind of like, man, who who is this guy that uh, <laughs> ran into at this trade show and won't stop talking about hunting? And, uh, you know, I was just super excited, and you could tell you were you were kind of at that point where you were really getting serious about it, I think. Right. Is that kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just kind of getting my feet wet and, uh, it definitely took hold of me and I just, yeah, yeah definitely a lot, a lot has changed since then. Learned a lot, but, uh, that was kind of the, the beginning. It's pretty cool. I looked up to guys like you and your brother. I'd watched you guys, you know, you started team backcountry and was following that quite a bit. And yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like kid in a candy shop at that expo. And it's the first time I'd ever even been to anything like that. I didn't know they existed or anything. And, um, I'd been hunting for, you know, a few years on my own and yeah, I was pretty stoked to meet you guys. Well, I mean, yeah, you can, I mean, you know, you can, you can say what you want, but like you, you can just tell that you had, you know, that, um, that passion, from the beginning and uh man little little did i know right like i'm like who is this guy and then i've been following you now for you know whatever it's been three or four years and and it's flip-flopped whatever it was now i'm the fan and uh you know the last couple of years i've been watching you're tipping over these big old bucks in what in uh, idaho i assume and maybe wyoming too i don't know but killed a big bull last year and uh you know, you get out in the back country and spending a ton of time out there, you know, you got the pack goats and just kind of, you know, you're just doing, doing what, what I'm doing. And so I'm a huge fan. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I definitely just love hunting. Like that's really the, the bottom line. There's really no, there's nothing, nothing too spectacular other than I just really enjoy getting out and hunting and, and uh, I've met a lot of cool people through it, and it's just been a fun journey for sure. Yeah. What is it, um, you know, what is it specifically that you love about it so much? I mean, every I feel like every guy has their own little thing, you know, like if they had to pin it down to one thing, I mean, what is it for you? <clears throat> so, man, I've thought about this a lot because it's, it's kind of changed over the years. I think 
it's kind of evolved, but I finally pinned it down last year. I felt like, um, it was really just like, I love to adventure. And that sounds so cliche. Like you see chicks put it on Instagram all the time, but <laughs> it's like, I just really love to explore new, new areas. And I think, and it kind of stems from, uh, grew up dirt biking and, uh, you know, riding trails and, and doing that kind of thing. And I remember just, you'd ride into a new area and it was the first time you'd ever been on that trail and it was just cool seeing the world. And it's, it's the same thing with hunting really. It's just like going into new country and, and old country too, but going into new country and just that unknown of what you might find is just, it always digs at me. Like, I think that's what really gets me out of bed is just like, man, if, we go today who knows who knows what we'll find we may we may stumble across that once in a lifetime deer bull or whatever it might be and so i think it's just the really just the sheer adventure of it and i mean i won't sit here and lie to you that you know meat's the only reason i hunt because that's definitely definitely not the only reason i hunt that's definitely a bonus but and uh, we eat everything but i just really love chasing animals and and really hunting like it, I mean, I love deer and elk, but really anything, like just whatever we can go, go look for and, and, uh, whatever gets me out of the house. And I don't know. Yeah. I guess just to sum it up, probably just the adventure of you know, exploring and, and being in the mountains and just having a good time. I really like to have fun and <laughs> yeah. try not to, uh, take it for granted for sure. I'm, I'm always fascinated by stories too of like, you know, there's hunting and then there's the backcountry hunting thing, like the extreme, like, you know, putting on a pack and going in there for a week, like, you know, you're doing and I'm doing. And, um, did you grow up hunting or like, how did you, you know, what was your, what was your introduction to hunting? And then what was your kind of your spark that got you into the backcountry? No. Yeah. So, um, I guess you could say, oh man, that's, I was pretty young, but my, uh, my real dad took me, uh, took me road hunting. <laughs> so I got pretty good at road hunting at age like nine and 10. Uh, didn't really know anything about hunting other than we'd drive around and, uh, my dad would drink a lot of beer and, and that was about it. And then, uh, my brother pretty much, he ended up pretty much raising me, my oldest brother D and, uh, he, he enjoyed hunting, but he was, man, he was probably in his twenties when he shot his first deer. And I was actually there with him. I think I was eight years old and, uh, I was his brush dog and I didn't even know what it was at the time. I was just <laughs> stoked to be with my brother. I always looked up to him and still do. And, and, uh, so yeah, we were hunting just here on the general season in Idaho. And I remember he had me brush some deer out and I could, I was just a little ways away from him and he shot this deer and it was it was a two point and, uh, and I watched it drop. Like I could, I just remember vividly, it just dropped. And I was like, Oh, that was cool. <laughs> and he, he thought he missed and, and he was going to shoot another. And I'm like, DD don't, sh you know, don't shoot, <laughs> don't shoot. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you killed one. And, and he's like, he's like, I did like, you seen it drop. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, it dropped. And he's like, I could tell he's, you know, I'm eight years old. I'm sure he was like, you better be freaking, you better, you better not be lying to me. Cause I will, I will pummel you. And, not the time, not the time. Yeah. And sure enough, we walked down there and, and, uh, that's, that was the first animal I'd seen, you know, harvested. And, and so from there, I just followed him everywhere. And then when I was old enough to hunt, um, 
man, he was super selfless. He would take me and he'd take me places that, you know, most people wouldn't take kids because <laughs> I was <laughs> pretty young and we'd, we'd dirt bike or we'd, you know, we'd hike back into some of these places and spend the night. We didn't have the gear really. I mean, we, you know, we were just, just roughing it compared to what we do now. And, and I just remembered the, I just loved it, man. I loved it since I was, you know, young and, and, uh, he'd always give me first shot. I mean, it was, it wasn't a question. It didn't matter how big it was or anything. And I, he definitely, he definitely got me hooked. And, uh, and so I hunted all, you know, through high school, I hunted, I didn't know, man, I didn't know hardly anything. We had a good buddy, um, that my brother hunted with, his name's Alan Teller. Um, guy kills, he's one of the, I mean, just a killer. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not on social media or anything, but he, he's killed a lot of amazing animals. And he took me when I was 18, took me bow hunting for the first time. I had a, an old PSE and, uh, you know, just, I'd shot it a lot and thought I was, you know, backcountry bow hunter now. And I remember he took me in, we spent the night, you know, on the mountain and, and bulls were just screaming. And like, he basically opened up my world to archery hunting. And uh, I remember he called a bull, a nice six point. He called him right into 30 yards. And I just shaking like a leaf. I shot way over his back. <laughs> and I mean, it was just like, I don't know. I just, yeah, that, that definitely right there. I was just hooked and I ended up killing, you know, a raghorn bull the next day. And, uh, and then he ended up killing a bull the next day. And so I learned about, you know, what it is to kill an elk and pack it out. And it was just, that kind of cut my teeth on, on, uh, you know, archery hunting. It was a pretty cool experience. So yeah. like, you know, I just had a lot of good people growing up that got me, you know, got me to where I am today. And then, um, went to, uh, Alaska, got called to serve a uh, mission for my church in Alaska. I went there for two years. Um, which was, it was kind of tough at the time. Cause I just, just <laughs> killed an elk and I ended up killing a deer that year with my bow too. And I, you know, I was like, man, now I don't get a hunt for two years, you know? And, and, uh, it ended up being a really, really good thing and, and really cool. And then it was right when I got back, that's, I just knew, Hey, I, I'm going to hunt. That's what I want to do. And, and, uh, yeah, from there, it's just been hunted a lot by myself in the beginning. I hunted the first bull I ever like killed when, right when I got back, I was by myself and just kind of had to learn the hard way after that. And then met some really cool people along the way. That's, uh, helped me get to where I'm at. And I still learning a ton, man. Holy crap. There's, I'm, I feel like a rookie every time I go, but <laughs> that's just kind of where, where I'm at as far as hunting. So that's how I got started. And yeah, yeah it's been pretty cool. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's always fascinating. You know, everyone's story is different and, but it's, you know, it's really tough in hunting to just get into it yourself without having someone like, you know, for a lot of us, it's our dads like you, oh, for you know, sure. even at some point And, and for other guys, you know, later on in life, maybe it's a buddy or, a, you know, just someone that they've, uh, you know, someone at the local pro shop or something that, but, you know, it's really hard to just get into hunting and, uh, you know, unless you've gone with someone that's, that's been there before. And, um, what is that, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Like you can only, only people who've been there, 
know how to find the black pearl or whatever they're looking yeah. for. <laughs> it's kind of like, no kidding, man. yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's just round and round and round we go. And so, um, you yeah. know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's cool to hear. And then it's important for us to keep in mind as we're out there doing our thing, you know, it's really easy for me to get like entrenched in my hunts and like, like yeah. I've got goals and like, I only have so many days and like, but you know, um, getting someone else out there, uh, you know, is the, it's the way I got into it, you know? And so that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, <clears throat> Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. I think, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, I can't imagine if my brother hadn't taken me, I, it probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. You know, it's, it's changed. It's definitely shaped my life and it's, it's, I mean, opened up opportunities and I've met people that are now lifelong friends. So like, yeah, it's just funny when you look back on it, it's like, geez, what if he wouldn't have taken me? You know, that would have, could have been, could have been pretty crappy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you think like, you know, well, maybe you would have found something else that you were passionate about and gotten into that, but, but maybe not, you know, there's a lot of people right. I feel like that, you know, I hate to say it, but you almost feel like they live life without a, a passion, you know, something that they're just absolutely on fire about, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and who knows, you know, maybe that, maybe that could have happened to any of us, you know, if our dad or our brother or buddies or whatever hadn't taken us out, um, you know, and it's easy for us to, to be there now and say, oh yeah, like, you know, I've got it now and not have to worry about the next, the next wave or the next generation or whatever. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not as easy to find a passion as people think. I don't think, but, um, man, you mentioned something, you know, interesting. You talked about like the gear that you guys were using when you first, um, (laughs) went into the backcountry, like, maybe expound on that uh, what you were using and then we'll get into, you know, maybe some, I'm always fascinated with gear conversations and kind of, uh, you know, how that's changed. Yeah, for sure, man. So I, man, I love, I love gear now, especially just after the, you know, years of kind of evolving and stuff. But, um, one thing for certain is I grew up, <laughs> grew up poor. So, which I am so grateful for, but it like, we just, you know, you just didn't have, we just didn't have all the nicest stuff. I mean, uh, especially just starting out, it just wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's go by the top of the line. So I learned how to make do with, you know, I mean, we killed a lot of stuff in blue jeans and <laughs> killed, you know, a lot of stuff with really old equipment. And so it was good because it kept me, you know, I mean, just really focus on on how to hunt more so than the gear. But now gears just man, it's changed the game. Um, I remember my first pack when I got back from, uh, from Alaska, I bought a, uh, I think it was a Badlands 2200. And I thought that thing was the coolest thing in the world. And they are, they're a great pack, man, especially if you're just starting out. But I remember just stuffing it to the gills, like that thing, I mean, it was 2200 cubic inches and I was using it for like three, four day, you know, trips. And it was just, uh, just gear tied onto it and like, that's, well that's i mean you make it sound like a rookie thing but we're still we're still apparently rookies because <laughs> we're still doing that with our we've got yeah, these kafaru no. 22 mags and like they are not built for <laughs> not built for five days 
And yet we would beg to differ because we've done it, you know, or just like you right. said, craps just hanging off back, front, side, top, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, you do what you got to do for sure. Like, I would never, never downplay anybody's gear because I've seen some of the, oh man, guys, just killers that they don't have, you know, top of the line stuff. Um, I'm thinking of one guy in particular, he's like, he's killed uh, more big stuff than I can even count, but he, he uses his freaking range finder for binoculars. <laughs> no, like, uh... dude. Yeah, I'm dead serious. And, and like you, if you looked at him, you'd be like, what the crap are you doing, dude? Like, how have you ever killed anything in your life? And the guys killed more bulls over 350 than I, than I know, like anybody I know of. Awesome. And I'm just like, and we, we've hunted together a few times and like, he just, he's a killer and he doesn't need the fanciest stuff. And he finds freaking animals with his range finder. And I'm like, well, you do you, man. I'm like, I can't imagine what you would find if we put a freaking pair of 12 by fifties on a tripod. <laughs> Cause I know how, you know, how hard it is for me to find stuff, but I don't know. I just, I seen, you know, guys like that. And that's how I started too. Like I started with the bottom of the line, you know, I mean, I, I think I bought a pair of super cheap Vortex and I just learned how to use them and they, they were awesome. I found deer with them, you know, and had a cheap spot and scope and I could, you know, figure out that. And, and just over time it's progressed and I've, I've upgraded and I found really good deals, you know, through rock slide. I use rock slide like, uh, like way too much. It keeps me really broke. But, like a hunting Amazon. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a woman with Amazon, but um, no, it's, yeah, I'm just trying to think of something. Like, I never had, you know, high-end boots. That was, like, not even a question. Like, I I, I think I had, I actually had a pair of Danner pronghorns. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, and Danner yeah. makes pretty, they, you know, at the time. Dude, at the I time, they were like, those were, like, the boot to have, you know. It was like, yeah. oh, you upgraded to Danner pronghorns. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And they, I actually didn't get them new. They were hand-me-downs for my brother and that was the other thing my brother like he man he outfitted me i had a pair of nikon monarchs i remember those my brother gave me actually i found a pair of nikon monarchs in the middle of the road when i was going to work one day and they had nothing like i had no way i was out in the middle of nowhere too uh in teton valley hopefully nobody's listening to this that lost monarchs but uh <laughs> And I was like, man, what do I do? You know, like I just do the right thing. I should try to find who these are. But, um, you know, I was like, how the heck? Like they were literally just <laughs> in the road. And so that was how I got my first brand new pair. But they were like brand new. They were in the box. And so, yeah, I got a pair of binoculars off the road. And, dude, I still have those binoculars. I found a lot of deer with them. And just starting out like that, you know, just – I sound like a pile of crap because I didn't put a sign right there or something, but <laughs> <laughs> well, that was but, uh, probably, no, I just even, how long ago was that? I mean, I doubt you even had like, Oh man, that was when I was like 18 years old. Yeah, so that, that was like, I mean, that's over 10 pre, years ago. Pre Facebook even. It's not like you could jump oh, yeah. online and like, Oh, look out for the, yeah, no, yeah. I, no social media for yeah. me at the time. Anyways, there's probably MySpace or something, but <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I mean, yeah, just, we just go and, and uh trying to think i i always used to borrow my brother's stuff and like when i was going by myself i'd borrow his tent and he had an old nikon spotter that i'd borrow and 
I just scabbed together whatever I could and make it work. And I spent a lot of cold nights on the hill. I didn't have the nicest sleeping bag. I didn't have, you know, um, I spent a lot of wet nights. There was one hunt in particular. Oh my gosh. It was me and my, my buddy Gus. We both never really done any backpacking. And, and he's like, dude, I got a tent. We're good. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause you know, I can borrow one. He's like, no, I got this sweet tent. I'm like, all right, man. He's like, yeah, my dad used to use it back when he hunted elk. And I'm like, all right. So we get to the trailhead and, you know, this time I had a pack frame that we would just like scab everything on and he had, Bun- bungee he had, cords. <laughs> yep. And he had, I remember like he stuck like a four pack of chili cans of chili <laughs> and like, oh, uh, like just not just like packets of oatmeal the whole box you know like it, it was like you went to the grocery store and you just dumped the grocery sack in your pack it wasn't like you know we didn't get rid of any cardboard or anything like that and we brought a six pack of pepsi of course because that was essential and dude our packs i don't know what they weighed but i i didn't i wasn't a very big kid i was probably 130 140 pounds at the time and I know it was all I could do to stand upright, but we, we packed in there into this spot. We both had general elk tags and, uh, we, and he pulls out this tent, dude. And it's, I kid you not. It's like a piece of canvas. It's just like an, an, a, a frame, like two stakes at the end and just canvas. And, and, uh, so we set it up and it, the weather was pretty good. So we woke up at like two in the morning and we were literally swimming in this tent. Like it was, <laughs> we, we must've set up in a low spot, but our, so our sleeping bags were completely soaked and we we're just like, what in the crap are we doing? And, uh, yeah, this little teeny tent, I think I, I have a picture of it. I'm going to have to find it now, but, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so we survived though, you know, we got, got warm and, and, uh, my buddy ended up killing an elk that day. So, That's awesome. you know, it was those are just some of the memories that you're like, you know, if we survived with that kind of stuff, man, we should be able to spend, I don't know, do it a lot better now for sure. (laughs) Yeah. The man, it's crazy to hear you kind of talk in the transition to of like gear, you know, over the last like 10, 15 years. Um, it honestly, I mean, way back then, like, like 15 years ago for me, at least like it wasn't, that we weren't upgrading our gear there was not gear to upgrade to you know really (laughs) like like some of this technical clothing and the pack systems i mean the backpacking world probably had some more sophisticated packs than we were using but you know we weren't smart enough to like throw on a you know mountain whatever you know some (laughs) some jan sport or whatever that was upgraded for backpacking we were just using hunting packs and so that was like a you know, like you said, it was either an uh, external frame, you know, that you used on, you know, your summer trips with your scouts or whatever, or it was, you know, just a backpack from Cabela's, you know, an outfit or camo or whatever there was back then. And, you know, it wasn't like they're just, I mean, it, it was, there was these brands, a lot of them were still out there, but a lot of it's come you know, it's, it's become in the last, you know, 10 years and we didn't have a lot of options back then. I don't feel like, but yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And and even at the time, if there was an option, I was so broke, it was like, it just wasn't (laughs) like, you know, it wasn't even in the cards. So, 
yeah, man. The last, I want to say, yeah, the last 10 years, it's just exploded. I mean, look at the pack market right now. It's insane that you can, I guess thinking about it today, it's like, it's so hard to choose. There's so many good quality packs that have so many awesome features. Um, I, I mean, that's the case with just camo and layering systems alone. That has been a huge game changer in the way we hunt. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. puffy jackets right i mean being able to like stay that warm because before it was like man we were packing like you know you had to pack five five layers equivalent to stay that warm and it you know the problem with like a you know the soft shell quote-unquote soft shell jacket was they're just so heavy like super warm but it's it's what you had you know way back before these puffies really became popular you know i'm talking eight ten years ago even and now, yep. like, I can take my big puffy and leave two of those jackets or one of my base layers in a jacket at home and just use that and then throw my rain jacket on the outside as, like, a shell if it gets wet or if it's really wind's blowing or something. But it's, like, all I yep. hunted now, you know, and it's, like. Yeah, I'm the same, I'm same way, man. Just throw, like, I pretty much never leave the house without a puffy. Right. I'm, whatever I'm doing, I wear it to work every day. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it, stuff like that, you just. I don't know. It's definitely what, uh, changed. If you were to prioritize a list, and I know this is tough, but like, you know, just keeping the like gear progressions and like what's changed the most and what's the most crucial. Now, if someone was in your shoes today and didn't have a ton of money and was looking to get into a backpack hunting, you know, system or whatever, what would you say is the, like, how would you prioritize a list between like, say optics, packs, your weapon system, boots, and like a sleep system, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So I would probably start with boots. Um, like just ha- not that they need to be high end, but you got to have a pair of boots that aren't going to blister your feet. If you're, if you're hiking a long ways, right. If you're, if you're not doing like, you know, a lot of hiking with a heavy pack, then yeah, you'd probably get away with, you know, something cheaper. But if you're planning on doing now, a backpack hunt, this is the finding wanna... back. Yeah. This is the finding back country I podcast. I mean, let's go big here. Let's assume a guy's doing like a 20 miler, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So if you're doing a 20 miler for sure, you got to have some, you know, boots and some good, I prefer Merino, uh, wool for socks, just something to keep your feet warm dry and no blisters because if your feet are trashed it's yeah it's over you're 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 gonna go downhill pretty fast i think and then after that if you can get back there a lot of the other stuff i feel like you can skimp on but your weapon and your optics are probably the next because if you want to find something that's you know that's the next thing so i i definitely there's a lot of good options right now for uh for optics i feel like especially if you're you know if you don't got a ton of money you can get into a a good optic for you know yeah for good good price uh, especially the used market like a lot of people don't like to buy used i'm i don't know i have pretty much all my gears been <laughs> used I, mean, <laughs> I buy i buy everything try to get you know deal just to make it affordable but um yeah i think you can find a good good set of binos with a good tripod and a good spotter and if you're not necessarily worried about spot and stuff you still want a tripod to glass off of i feel like that's a huge advantage yeah and then i think a big thing that people overlook well not all people but 
a lot of people overlook is whether you're archery hunting or you're rifle hunting, you just need to know your weapon. It doesn't have to be the fanciest, you know, highest fluting gun, whatever. If you know where it hits and what you're capable of doing with it, that's more valuable than the price tag on it. I think, um, shoot, dude, all my guns are freaking the cheapest gun. I, I mean, just factory cheap guns, but they shoot really well. Um, that shoot, I got this gun right when I got home. It's just a Remington model 700. I mean, as plain as plain could be. (laughs) Well, And, and you can, you know, working in the world I work in now, I mean, you can take a gun like that and, and make just a couple of like really cheap upgrades to it, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, now you've got a real, you know, I mean, you're, you're basically rolling the dice there with a factory gun, right? I mean, say 50, 50, sure. that, that thing's going to come out and be a tag driver anyway, or not. And then if you just change a couple, you know, just a few little things, um, and you know, just even just some DIY stuff, you know, then you can go from a gun that's, you know, good to, to pretty, pretty dang, you know, possibly great even. And yeah, for re- real cheap, really cheap. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm learning more about guns right now. Uh, I work with some guys that are just gun nuts, you know, and I've never really been a gun nut. I've always been more, you know, drawn to archery and, and archery equipment, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it is a gamble, you know, you might get a factory gun that doesn't quite shoot like, you know, you'd want it to, but man, there's, it's just the whole long range game right now. Um, a lot of people, you know, they kind of turn their nose up at it, but it's here and it's not going anywhere. And if you're not, you know, jumping on board with it, you're behind. Like, that's just the bottom line. I mean, and I'm not saying, well, you gotta, you know, shoot a thousand, an animal a thousand yards, but to shoot an animal at 500 yards now is completely capable. And I think the guys that actually, you know, they actually go out and shoot their gun a bunch and they know, you know, they learn their gun, they know where it's at. They're, they're more lethal than, you know, if you just go sighted in the, the date week before opener and you're hitting a pie plate at 200 yards, you know what I mean? Like, if right. you, I mean, these dial up systems are, they're stinking accurate, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's pretty cool. And so I think, yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. you, you know about it. You're, you're in that world. I mean, those no, gun works you, guns are beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they are. And they're, they're every bit, you know, in, in my opinion, they're, they're worth every penny, you know, and that's, and that's hard for some guys to hear and understand. But when you consider mm-hmm. what's, what's a, what, what goes into the gun itself, right? I mean, the top, you know, when you're talking components like titanium actions and carbon barrels and carbon handmade carbon fiber stocks, you know, and then the oh, yeah. optics on these are usually around $3,000 optics, you know, and then there's all of that ballistic work that we were talking about that you're going to have to do with a factory gun is being mm-hmm. done, is being done for you. And it's basically guaranteed, you know, and, and so, but on the flip side, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think everyone can afford or needs a $10,000 rifle system either. Right. And, and it's, it's for the guys who don't have the expertise, don't have the time, have the money, you know, don't want to, don't need to dive into that, you know? And sometimes those guys are looked at as, Oh man, like, you know, they're just buying their way into a thousand yard shot. And I'll get into that here in a minute too. But um, Mm -hmm. what they're buying is they're buying their way into just learning how to shoot. 
right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, yep. that's what I've seen from the, the experience I've had so far is it buys you the opportunity to, to bypass all of that other stuff that prohibits you from actually just practicing shooting, right? And yep. being able to just pick a gun up and now learn how to shoot, you know, and that's what I tell guys on the phone every day is like, you know, people will walk into our booth even at trade shows like, oh yeah, you know, thousand yards, you know, and, and again, I want to touch on that too here in a second, but, um, you know, all that means is that the system, the weapon's capable of doing it, you know, um, exactly. It doesn't mean that you're capable of doing it and, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. and you just need to learn how to shoot now. And they, they kind of laugh for a second. And then they're like, when they see that I'm serious, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I probably couldn't shoot that far. And they can't, you know, not, not lethally on an animal and they probably shouldn't be. Um, that being said, you know, you, you, you mentioned a thousand yards and that's, you know, that's what kind of the, you know, when you hear the words long range, you know, that you brought up, I mean, that's where everyone goes is there's guys yep. out there just flinging lead at a thousand yards. Right. And they're just, <laughs> man, then nothing could be further from the truth. I've, I've never taken a thousand yard shot on an animal and I work here, you know? Yeah. And, uh, no, I haven't either. <clears throat> yeah. And so for me, what the kind of the calibration that I've made is, Honestly, it's the same when I was shooting archery and I still, I still shoot archery, I guess, but, um, that I had with my bow and that is like 50%, right? Half the distance. Um, you know, I, I've had tons of practice now at 12, 13, you know, 1400 yards even sometimes. And that to me equates to, I can take a seven or 800 yard shot in the field. I think I, I think I threw one at 850 this last year and that was like, you know, and, uh, and, and so when you put that in perspective of, you know, practicing at 14, 1500 yards and then cutting that in half, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't need to be a thousand yards. And frankly, it shouldn't be, you know, right off the bat for a lot of guys. So. No, I, yeah, totally agree. And coming into like, I, I'd never shot long range and I was one of those guys that's like, oh man, that's, you know, that's silly. But then I had a guy, you know, he set up my gun and he, he taught me and showed me like what you guys do. You know, he showed me how everything works and, you know, what a dial up system is and how it, well, what that got me doing is I, I started shooting more than I'd ever shot in my entire life. I mean, I shot, I've shot more in the last five years than I, you know, I did in the, you know, 20, whatever years before that. And it's because I got more interested in, in how it actually works, the whole process of it. And, and uh, that's fun. Like it's, it's freaking fun to go out and shoot rocks at 900 yards and, you know, and I don't know, it's just, it's changing everything. You got to be willing to adapt and change. And that's just one of those things for yeah. sure. Well, and, 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 and you don't, I mean, don't, don't get us wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't, no. yeah. you know, it, it sure helps when you're hunting these type of areas, you know, the backcountry Idaho, the backcountry Wyoming type stuff. Um, and there's those big canyons where, I mean, we've all been in those situations where, you know, and you hear guys like, well, he was 650 and I just can't shoot that far or whatever. And, yeah. and he had no option to get closer. Well, you know, now, now with the, the, the efficiency of bullets, you know, ballistic coefficients are through the roof, meaning bullets are flying yeah. more efficiently through the air. You know, we're learning more and more about, you know, how to take you know, clean, you know, proper shooting form and stuff like that. I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's funny because those same guys sometimes like, you know, and I don't know if you're that guy that doesn't long range shoot or whatever, that's fine. But just honestly take a look at, w- at what how you shoot and a lot of those times I I feel like and and we were this way, right? To us, mm-hmm. to us growing up like a long range shot, we we I started hearing about that when I was you know, young, 15 maybe, or something like that. And it was just like, oh my goodness, like, what are they thinking? Kind of like what you're saying. And, but at the same time, if we had a buck at 400 yards on the run, we were Kentucky windaging over his back (laughs) and just letting it fly. I mean, that's how grandpa Whitworth did it, you know, and that's how my dad did it. And that was just (laughs) life. Like, and that, because the distance was closer that was more ethical than a guy like you're saying that understands ballistics, understands shooting form, yes. you know, understands how a dial-up system works, understands his atmospherics and all that kind of stuff, and is taking a shot at, you know, say 650 even, you know, like, oh, man, like, like how, you know, how is that any, you know, you're you're less ethical, in my opinion, than the guy shooting, yes. at eight, you know, at 850 doing all of his, you know, making wind calls and everything like that. So, I yeah, I'm, you know, I could get off this soapbox pretty quick and that would be just fine but no anyway well, i i agree with you and, and something i was just talking to a buddy about this the other day but um anymore i feel more comfortable bedding down and getting you know a steady rest and shooting something at 500 yards than i do at like Off bumping hand. into something yeah. at 200 yeah. yeah like i mean i just feel way more confident if i have that you know that buck or that bull you know he doesn't know i'm there yeah. I'm in position. I'm steady. My breathing's good. I, I mean, I just, yeah. I, Grandpa Whitworth, Grandpa Whitworth made the comment once, like he was just joking, but I'm not sure that he was. Like their philosophy was, they would just shoot the mountain out from under him, and they'd fall down and break, <laughs> they'd fall down and break their neck, you know, and then uh, they'd go get their buck. And that was kind of how it was, man. Like especially those old, you know, like we're talking the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, you know, 30, 30s and, you know, the old school, you know, 30 out sixes, maybe grandpa had his 280, maybe at that point. But I mean, they, if they saw a buck, it was just, you know, spray and pray, you know, and it was just, it's just completely different nowadays. Everything's a lot more precise, but man, I want to get back to your list because I think you nailed it with your, your gear, um, kind of your prioritization, like, you know, and, and not that, not that people get it necessarily backwards, but I think, they probably a lot of times I see guys maybe put money into places that they don't need to put that much money into initially. Oh yeah. Right. And they think they do like, um, but man, those boots, like I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and I don't think that it's, I don't, I don't think that means a $410 pair of crispies, you know, unless they're nice. Yeah. Unless (laughs) it, unless it does, you know, if that's, if that's what works, but it just needs to be, a boot that like you, you mentioned, like not giving you blisters, you know, and don't, don't find that out on the hunt, find that out in June on a scouting trip or a summer backpack fishing trip or something like that, you know, because once you get back, yeah, once you get back there and your feet, man, with blisters, like, you know, there's, there's pretty good ways you can fix that, you know, as like a temporary, but if it gets too bad, like, you know, I, there was a guy when I was working at Shields, um, right there in, in Utah. And, you know, he was kind of new to Western hunting, came from back East and 
was going to go up on the mountain and do this, you know, big, you know, two or three day weekend trip or whatever he's going to do. And like, he ends up hobbling off the mountain the same day that he hiked in, I think, um, yeah. you know, with blisters the size of golf balls and it'll, it'll just ruin it faster than anything. And then, yeah, I think optics, I, I agree, man, like optics before even like a way good pack, um, and a way good sleep system, not because that stuff's not important and you don't need, but you can, like you said, like, I feel like a guy could pick up like a used pack, you know, that's still a pretty good quality pack, you know? And, oh yeah. Right. And like, it's two or three years yeah. old and maybe it's got some, some dirt and maybe a couple of blood stains on it or whatever. But you know, most, yep. most of us nowadays, we just upgrade our systems and our gear so fast that it's not even, I mean, guys are upgrading their bows. You know, I did it like I would upgrade my bow yep. and I'd never killed anything. And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it had been on six days of hunting, you know, and it was like, Hey, next, yeah. next bow's coming out. But yeah. And then sleep systems too. Like, man, like all you're, all you're really paying for there, not that you're not, but you can get really warm, effective stuff. It's just going to be a little heavier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And like, that's going to suck. But I mean, you know, if it comes down to dollars and cents and like making, you know, making your system, your whole backpacking system, make a budget, then, you know, skimp on a synthetic. I mean, you can pick up a synthetic zero degree bag. I feel like for what, 50 bucks probably on a sale or something somewhere like, yeah. Yeah. No. So while we're on this subject of sleep, cause I mean, we're basically, yeah. So one boots, two, I'm saying wet weapon, optics, weapon, that all kind of goes together. Yeah, and weapon knowledge. I I agree with you. Not necessarily weapon, but weapon familiarity in your system. Yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'll come back to three because three is going to be different than what you think. But on the sleep system thing, dude, you can get away with cheap gear, but you got to be freaking dirty tough. (laughs) like that's just like if you're dirty tough maybe a little stupid maybe i mean i don't want to throw the stupid word out there but if you're tough and you're and a little bit crazy ignorance is bliss if you've never had a nice you know sleep system so i'm gonna i've got a buddy i won't mention his name because he's he's such a stud like i look up to this we've he was with me this year when i killed my elk and he's just he's tough like I don't know how to explain it, but he's just super dirty, tough. I remember one time we were sleeping. I can't remember what time of year it was. It was, it was frigging cold. Like I got a, I got a pretty nice sleep system and, and I don't get cold very often, but I was freezing and I look over and this kid, I swear had like a Fisher price freaking kids sleeping bag. <laughs> and like, like the thing was paper thin. We still joke about it. Cause I mean, it was just what he had and, and he just, he didn't even, he never complains. He never, you know, like he just sat over there and froze the whole night. And I like in the morning, I was like, dude, I froze my butt off. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. I was pretty cold too. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at his sleeping bag and it was like, you know, so I think you can get away with a lot if you're just dirty tough. I mean, this kid, he hunted in like Walmart boots and he put on more miles. I mean, more miles than I did. And, uh, those things would, I remember we went into the Frank church and his freaking, the soles were falling off of his boots. Like I, I kid you not, like he, he might've even duct taped them together and never complained once feet were wet the entire time. 
never complained, dirty, tough, smile on his face the whole time. And that's, I, I feel like that's worth more. Like if you have that attitude and you, you know, that's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to suck, but it's freaking, you just got to be tough. Yeah. Like, well, and, and I would, I would and, rather and, hunt with that kid than somebody who's decked out from head to toe and has no mental toughness yeah. or, you know, or, or has a miserable time the whole time. Like, I don't know. You just, I think that's super important. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you use the word mental toughness. Cause that's really what it is, you know, for all, for any of us, you know, when yeah. you get in these situations and you get, back in the back country and you really start realizing like how vulnerable you are to not coming oh, yeah. to not coming home. Right. And like yeah. how many things can go wrong. And if you don't have that mental toughness, um, where you just refuse, you refuse to be beaten, you know, you refuse to, to give up, you refuse to, you know, and I'm not even talking about killing anything. I don't think you are either. I think you're just, no. we're just talking yeah. like pure mental toughness of like surviving, yeah. you know, and being, and being there in the back country. Yeah. It's more important than anything on yeah. this list. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know we're talking about gear, but yeah, that's number one. I mean, mental toughness, you can't buy that. And it's just, it's just one of those things that it's, it's a prerequisite. If, if I'm going to, you know, go on a hunt with somebody they got to be mentally tough and they got to have a good positive attitude and and enjoy it even when it sucks because it's gonna suck i mean let's face it hunting sucks <laughs> it, it it does it it can suck pretty bad but you got to find i mean it sucks till it doesn't i guess because it's <laughs> you know it's always darkest before the dawn but and that's that's part of it too i think kind of going back to why i love hunting is i just really love doing hard things you know whether it's hunting dirt biking, do it, you know, anything that physically challenges you, there's so much, you get so much out of it, you know, when you accomplish something like that. And when you, you know, grit out a long hunt and whether you kill something or you don't, when you grit it out, you just feel good. I mean, you can't, there's just stuff like that, that you can't buy, you know? So, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's developed too, and you can lose it real quick. Um, I think oh, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like my brother yeah. and I have lost it. I mean, oh, we, I've gotten soft. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we, there was a hunt in Colorado a couple of years ago and we just flat out both like talked ourselves into quitting and walked off the mountain early and we came home and we were just like, you know, like what the heck just happened? But like, yeah. we just, you know, it's like, as soon as you let that in, it's just cancerous. It's just like, it is. it's just like so easy for it to take over and just kill the whole situation. Um, and, yeah. and it's not like once you have it once you never lose it you know it's not like you just you constantly have to be yeah um going there you know mentally you've got to be going there every single day almost every second every you know every move that you're making like you're either choosing to be mentally tough or not and that's yeah man yeah. It, it it's apparent watching your stuff and watching some of your you know posts and your you know just like like you you mentioned like hunting by yourself and hunting alone too and that's a whole nother, you know, I mean, yeah. geez, that's yeah. a whole nother mental, uh, toughness there, but yeah, it's so important. Oh, for sure, man. And, and I don't want people to get the impression that, oh, you know, this guy thinks he's the toughest guy in the world. Cause no, man, I've had moments where I've, I've been weak, you know, and, and I, I can honestly say like my success has come from gritting through those moments of wanting to quit and continuing hunting 
And then it's like, it's, it's crazy how it happens, but like, it'll just, everything unfolds after you get through, if you break through that wall, I'm sh- I'm sure it's the same thing with, you know, runners and everybody else, these, you know, long distance runners, like you have to push through these walls, but great things come after you get through them. Like, man, a lot of these, a lot of, you know, my best animals that I've killed have come after wanting to quit, <laughs> you know? And so I don't know, I can, couldn't agree more with you definitely mental toughness is it's so so important and just and i mean mental toughness positive attitude whatever you want to call it you just you got to enjoy the whole process i mean that like it's i think that's part of it i mean when you kill a you know a mature animal after grinding for you know a long time or even a short time but you put in the time you know beforehand and you prepared yourself there's no better feeling like it's just do you the have, best feeling in the world. Do you have one specific, like, I don't want to, like, maybe it's a mantra or maybe it's a saying or maybe it's like a thought or something. Like, do you have one specific thing that you revert back to in those times when you're like thinking about quitting or whatever, or is it different every situation? Uh, there's a couple things I tell myself. Um, one of them kind of before that, Cause a lot of times, like when you're thinking like, man, should I go to the top of that mountain? Should I look over that next Ridge? Like I always just say, you never know till you go. Like you never know what it, you can't sit here on the couch and know what it's going to be like in this spot that you want to scout. You got to go. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things. And then I don't know, man, probably just like, it's, it's always darkest before the dawn. Like you just, you got to grit through um, those really hard times. And then a lot of times, you know, there's a rainbow at the end of every storm. So yeah, um, yeah that sounds my, pretty, pretty cliche and no, cheesy, but I mean, it's true. Those things are, you know, yeah, it's cliches are cliches are cliches because <laughs> they're true. You know, they're so, they're <laughs> exactly. so true that they become a cliche, but, um, yeah. yeah, my, my brother's like that, you know, um, if I had to say the one thing that really, you know, separates us, I mean, he's, He's killed some serious bucks, um, you know, and obviously yeah. a couple bulls or whatever. And I was, you know, I'll take credit for most of his elk because I was there with him calling probably. But um, the the the, <laughs> <laughs> the deer, the deer, you know, those bucks, they're all him for sure. And uh, and he's kind of led the way there. And if I had to pinpoint the one thing that he uh, does better than me or is more consistent, I mean, he doesn't hesitate to just go on whether it's the scouting trip, whether it's the hunting trip, you know, whether it's the, um, you know, the stock or whatever, he just, he just, like you said, like it's execution, you know, it's like, just like going, like, like you said, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't scout them from your couch. You can't kill them from your tent. You can't, you know, whatever it is, like just the execution of it is always the X factor. I feel like, but. Heck yeah. And he has killed some studs, man. <laughs> yeah, he has. Yeah. Um, no, that's the thing with consistent. I mean, I've, I really look up to a lot of these consistent guys out there. Brian Barney's one that I really look up to. And dude, that guy just grinds. Like that's how he kills stuff. He grinds and until he, you know, until it happens. And sometimes it doesn't happen until the last day. And you guys are the same way. I remember you guys killed a bull, man. It was a long time ago, but I remember the story and you, you killed him. I'm pretty sure it was on the last day. Second, it, yeah, it was second to last. I know. Second to last day. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, that's yeah, just that how was... I, don't know, I had a family, well, family memories. Like 
looks i saw you got lucky again this year and you know bringing up the whole luck thing and i was like yeah yeah we got pretty lucky you know but like and, and we've i've heard it on here before but you create your own luck i mean you you're out there you be out there the whole time you you know you don't give up on a hunt and yeah. you'll start seeing success and that's the case with anything i mean really if you, <laughs> yeah but no we we're just jason was on the last episode and and you know he's telling we're going through some of those stories of those big bucks that he's killed and and from the outside looking in there are there's some pretty crazy like you know just like 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 quote unquote luck you know like oh the buck you know he shot at him he missed the buck got up ran around the hill and bedded back down for him or you know the buck saw him and went back to feed him and then he arrowed him or whatever the case is and yet um you know for every one of those stories there's dozens that didn't work out and no one no one talks or hears about those oh and, yeah right and it's like and, and like yeah. you said i mean the the more you know the the more you're on the mountain the luckier you get you know it's yeah, just you exactly. know we, we, you kind of i'm sure you smirked and we're just like yeah like mm-hmm, but it has nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with it really <laughs> no for sure and and that's the hard thing with social media is you know somebody will post a picture and it's like man that's you know a lot of people will call you lucky or whatever but it, they don't see the 20 days you spent you know prior to that just freaking eating crap you know just <laughs> sitting in you know a rainstorm waiting you know glassing all day and you know it's just like <clears throat> that's the thing is you know some sometimes and, and i'm not dissing on social media but it's just sometimes we you know we see highlight reels and you don't really you don't really see what guys are doing to to actually succeed that and so i think it's just important and you know you gotta you can't just judge it by you know, their feed. Cause a lot of these guys are spending tons of time, you know, out on the mountain just for that one opportunity. So they, you got to create your own luck. Like you're saying. Yeah. Sure. And, and for me, you know, a really good gauge too, is like once, once can be lucky, you know, to some extent, like, you know, oh, I've, yeah. t- I've talked about before, there was a certain guy growing up in my hometown and, and he, you know, whatever you want to call it accidentally or, you know, stumbled on, a you know, one, one a big buck once, um, that, you know, when you really heard the story, I mean, the thing basically crossed the road in front of him and he jumped out and shot it or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it was like for that split second, I mean, you know, like, boom, like he's a big buck killer. And then it never, ever happened again, ever. And it yeah. never happened before that. And it was just like, well, that that's luck like that, you know, like yeah. to some extent, the same principle is true. I mean, he was out there or whatever, you know, but if it only mm-hmm. happens once, that's, that's an indication of, you know, you got, you probably got lucky if you can't duplicate it. And I yeah, mean, even in the sure. short time that I've been following you, I mean, you've duplicated it, you know, at least a couple times, <sighs> big, couple big bucks and big bulls and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, um, anything else you want to add to that? No, man, I think, I think that talk, was pretty good. I'm talk, ready to bring up number three on the yeah, list. I, yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I say this, but it's not for everybody, but honestly, pack goats have been a huge game changer for me and the way I hunt, uh, again, like they're not for everybody. You know, some people want to hang out with llamas. All right. That's cool. You know, <laughs> some people want to, some people want to ride a horse in you, you do you. Um, but for me personally, pack goats have changed, uh, the way I've hunt and, not only that, but they've led me to people. I've met people that have changed the way I hunt like totally. I mean, 
Um, and I'll kind of get into that. I'll have to tell the story about how I met uh, Braxton Hamilton, a, a kid that freaking knows mule deer and, and is more passionate than anybody I know. But um, yeah, pack goats, dude. And they, well, it's they, funny because we, yeah, well, changed. what we say is pack goats are for people who haven't experienced llamas yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and I'm totally cool with that. Honestly, like, this the selfish side of me is like, man, I don't want everybody to know about pack goats because then, <laughs> then here I, you know, it's there's going to be a lot more people, you know, <laughs> figuring it out. And, no, and, uh, no, I mean, I there's plenty to go around, honestly, but yeah, I just uh, they've they've really helped in certain situations. Like I, for sure, I don't use them for every like. That's probably the question I get the most whenever I, you know, I say, oh, yeah, I'm going hunting this weekend. You taking the goats? Like, no, man, I'm going to Colorado. It's four season. Like, I don't need goats for this. Huh? <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. For for high country mule deer, um, they've, man, they've been amazing. So I would, I would put them at number three for me personally on my list just because that changes everything else on the underneath me. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the, the sleep system, the food, you know, everything, everything under that for sure That's, changes once you have and i'm sure you guys see it with llamas i mean you're you're packing in stuff you would never dream of you know on a, on on your back you know yeah, so. it's, it's funny and that's it's so true what you just said like it does i've never thought about that but it really does change the entire list you know once you yep. once you get going with pack animals and and our story was you know we we didn't have i mean we never used any sort of pack and we had horses for a long time and we knew they were such a pain in the butt that we didn't even <laughs> use them yeah. Um, you know, so we, we were kind of the other way where we had it completely figured out, um, without any pack animals as much as you can, you know, I mean, we, we had the process pretty much dialed, um, with super, oh, for sure. you know, super lightweight gear and how we moved and where we camped and, you know, pack out, you know, you know, who was going to pack what and all that kind of stuff. And now yep. it's kind of like with, with these llamas, it's, it's hard for us to figure out how we're still learning how to use them. <laughs> like yeah. how, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, like how to utilize, oh, yeah. how to utilize every bit of them. And, you know, I'll never forget the first time that we went through, um, on, or we went on a, uh, the first time we used pack llamas, I actually rented them from Bo, uh, years and years ago now, four or five, five years ago, probably. And, yeah. uh, my buddy Corey and I were heading into Idaho for elk and, we stopped at Walmart on the way to the trailhead after we picked these llamas up and we're like, okay, we're doing the math. Like my packs, you know, without water might come in around whatever, 40, 35, 40 pounds. Corey's going to be 35, 40 pounds. Well, one llama can pack that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we've got two of yep. them and we're like, okay, like, you know, granted we're going to plan on killing something and like, you know, but we're not going in super far. So we knew we could have made a couple trips. So we basically had like 80 pounds to play with. And yep. it was, I'm, I'll tell you what, like walking through there, trying to figure out what to put in a llama's <laughs> pack. I yeah. mean, we, like you said at the beginning, like we were finally, we were the guys throwing in like six packs of Mountain Dew yep. and like weird food <laughs> items that we would never, ever, ever pack in there before. For Christmas this year, I just got two, um, like insulated, those like soft insulated, um, you know, little uh, cooler deals that fit perfect in a oh, pan yeah. here. Cause so we're still yeah. like, we're still learning how to use it. And man, you're so right. Like just completely changes your effectiveness and your, 
your strength once you get in there and like you can go farther. Um, I, I've heard, uh, you know, uh, in Cam Haynes's book, like he always talks about the time when him and Roy Roth, um, I think they, did they sell a rifle or something to buy a llama? They had a pack. Think, llama. Yep. And it was like, and you know, and he, in his words, it was like, that's what opened up the backcountry to us. You know, now yep. it's like, it doesn't really matter how far you want to go. It's just, where do you want to go? And you know, whatever. So yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's really, you know, you, you could even just renting them, you know, for the first year, if you can scrounge up the, the cash, um, yeah, you're, you're so right, man. Like just complete game changers. Yeah, for sure. And man, I can't speak to llamas cause yeah, I've never, I've never experienced, you know, the llama experience, but just over the past, oh man, it's been, I'll probably butcher this, but I've, I've been packing with goats for four years now three, four years, something like that. So I'm, I'm new to it. You know, I definitely don't know everything there is about it. And I, I re- reached out to a lot of people who did, but yeah, it's totally changed. I think one of the biggest things that's changed is just being able to eat a lot of food <laughs> when you like, cause I'm, I'm a fat kid at heart, man. I love food. And so, so like just being able to pack good food and, and a lot of it, and then being able to pack like a really comfortable sleep system to where I'm eating and I'm sleeping good. I feel like that is a huge game changer. Cause then I hunt a lot harder. I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm a lot of times before when we'd pack in somewhere, dude, you'd zap quite a bit of energy just getting in. And then you've got to, you know, you've got to hunt and you've got to yeah. be more alert and more focused. And, and so, my, yeah, I think my first, uh, real, like, one of my first real backpack experiences right after my wife and I got married, I had a Colorado, um, you know, uh, deer tag or no, it was an elk tag, sorry, Colorado elk tag and had no idea what I was getting into. And same deal. Like we, um, you know, we were kind of still in that, that phase of like old school gear and everything was super heavy. Well, I load up, uh, I did have a decent pack. I had like a Badlands, um, I think it was a 4,500, and like you were nice. talking at the beginning, like just packed to the brim. And yep. like you just said, it, it was so heavy and the, 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 uh, ascent and the climb in was just enough that we literally got in there and the whole entire next day I was recovering and man, that makes me sound like a wuss, but I'm telling you <laughs> like the shape that I was in, I wasn't, I wasn't physically prepared. I had terrible gear. I had too much of it. And the hike in was freaking brutal. And I just like, I just slept in till like 10 o'clock. Like I couldn't hardly walk the next day after doing like, (laughs) you know, six or seven miles and gaining, you know, how much thousand feet elevation or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's true. Like it, it can completely wipe you out, you know, especially if it's a real deep or real heavy or whatever, um, pack in and yeah, yeah, you can put some of that on the animals, but no, for sure. And then, I mean, packing an animal out too you know it's it's always nice to be able to do it in one trip although like i kind of feel like like this price sounds bad but like packing an animal out i mean unless it's early season it's real hot and you need to get them out quick it's it's one of those things like i'll, I'll shoot you know especially a deer i'll shoot just about anywhere because i feel like you have and if it's cold enough you have a long time to get it out if you have to take multiple trips like 
the hard part's over. You, you found, you know, you found and killed a deer. Now you can take your time. You know, you can, if it takes you two, three, four days, whatever, like, I don't know. I feel like if you got to call people to go get the animal, like, again, like, don't get me wrong. If it's hot and you got to get something out quick, then yeah, you, you know, you got to be responsible. But I, I hear a lot of people say, oh man, can't, you know, I wouldn't kill anything in there. And it's like, what are you talking about, dude? If, yeah. Like well, you have a whole week well, <laughs> to and get it like, out. <laughs> yeah. Think, think about, you know, um, think about that being your limiting factor to whether you go stock something or not, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, at, back to like these long range rifles. And I don't mean to bring that up again, but it's kind of the same principle, Aaron at work. Like, you know, we'll hear these stories from customers and they're like, yeah, like I was on this hunt and, you know, before I had this rifle, like, you know, this, or, or, or not even our customers, just people, you know, a hunting story that we'll hear or something on social media or whatever. And it's like, well, he was at, he was at 550, and I just, that's out of my range and I couldn't take the shot. And sometimes these are on like once in a lifetime sheep hunts and like, yeah. you know, these epic 30, 20, $30,000 hunts. And he always is like, man, imagine that that's your limiting factor. We're talking like a hundred, 200 yards or whatever with your weapon system. Well, it's the same, like you're saying with, with, uh, you know, where you kill stuff, like imagine that being your limiting factor. Like you're already back there. You've put in all the summer scouting all the yeah. time. Like you've all the gear you've paid for the tag. And then your limiting factor isn't anything other than, man, I'm not going to kill one down there. Like I'll kill anyone, right. but not down there. Like, that's just crazy. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, goats help with that llamas, goats, any pack animal, you know, will help with, you know, keeping that from being a limiting factor, even though, even without them, I feel like, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just think of it different, but, um, yeah. Uh, goats, you need to go on a good goat trip, dude. I'm telling you, like you've probably heard horror stories because <laughs> I've heard horror stories and if I would have listened to all those horror stories, I would have never got goats and I'd be a sad man. I'm sure it's the same with llamas. You know, you can, you can have a bad llama just like you can have a bad goat, yeah. but, um, no, yeah, they, no I, they, I, I, I really want to, we, we've even, you know, over the years we've considered getting a, a little group of them, um, because I, I can even see the, you know, enough differences, uh, for different situations where they would be, an advantage, you know, for example, like they're easier to control and they're, you know, they're not, you know, yeah. a, a llama is kind of in that middle between a horse and a goat, obviously. Um, and a full grown guy can control a llama as long as you've got a hold of their, their head and their lead rope, you know, you, they're, they're not so powerful like a horse that if they decide to do whatever they want, they can always do it. But a goat's even more so that way where it's like, you know, oh, as yeah. long as you can catch them, I mean, you, you can kind of, you can control them and control the situation or whatever. It's completely flip-flop yep. from a horse, you know? And, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I've I never I'm, had I'm, a goat wreck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on wood. yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely, uh, I am, I'm interested and we need to, we need to get something set up because just, just for perspective, even, um, you know, that would, That'd be fun. And then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get, you know, a couple llamas and go on maybe a scouting trip or, or hopefully a hunt someday, but yeah, for sure. But, yeah, man. Okay. Um, anything else on that kind of gear list while we're diving into that, that you wanted to touch on or. 
Um, let's see. So we're at, yeah, three goats. Uh, I think it's important. So something that I've switched to, I switched to a quilt. Um, it's, I'm running a VM outdoors quilt. I went, I had a 10 or I had a zero degree and I went to a 10 degree cause we kind of talked me into it. And, uh, I would, I'm actually going to go back to a zero degree and I run it all year round. Cause that quilt, like I have a R rated pad, so an insulated pad mm. and you can, you know, vent, vent out. And I just, I don't know, personally, I like it. It's, uh, it's been good. That's kind of a new thing to me. I've always been a mummy bag guy and then switched to that. And, uh, it's, it's done me good. So I definitely got to have, you got to stay warm at night. You got to be able to sleep good. I take melatonin a lot of times or, you know, Tylenol PM with me because at 10,000 feet, you don't sleep as well, or not even 10,000, even eight, 9,000 feet after hiking and sore and you're not in your bed, you know, it's good to get good rest. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's like those first, like one, two, maybe three nights, you know, if I'm there for like seven days, um, those mm-hmm. first nights are usually restless and that's, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'll pop a, you know, it's usually half dose of a sleeping pill, like just enough to like, you know, just yep. put me over the edge yeah. and not be yes, stirring all night. But it's, right. it, it's funny you say that about the quilt. So, and I, I, I've actually never, I've never used one and never really even took the time to look at one. Cause I just love my bag so much, but I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like I kind of do the same thing uh flip-flopped i just run a zero degree mummy bag and then in the early i literally used to run that now i've got a um a kafaru like a 25 degree i think um one of their bags that i run early season but before i would just literally run that zero degree bag all year and i would just unzip it completely like a quilt almost at night and then like you're saying just sleeping right on my on my sleeping pad or whatever. And I could vent pretty well that way. And then obviously vice versa, I could zip that thing up if I needed to, but yeah, same, same principle, I assume. Right. I mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, like I kind of toss and turn a lot. So it just helps to have something, you know, it's more like a running a blanket, but yeah, it's the same idea. Just make sure it's plenty warm for all, <laughs> you know, do those have scenarios. typically have like a pocket for your feet? I assume that you're kind of, yeah, so you can, yeah, you can snap the bottom together. It's got a drawstring. So you kind of have your feeder in that pocket and then you can, and you can even snap it all the way, you know, almost all the way up. So it is pretty much a, a bag, but yeah. I usually just do the pocket and the feet and then I can kind of roll around. And then since I got goats, I bought like a big old fat pad. <laughs> it's so comfortable, dude. It's Yeah. So, uh, again, just, you know, having goats normally if I was doing everything off my back it's not a pad that i'd want to carry around but um just a few little things like that that have changed um since since packing with goats and it's still light enough that i i do carry it on you know shorter hunts or whatever if i if i don't have the goats with me but yeah yeah so yeah trying to think of any other gear that um i mean obviously a pack you know um like you said and the used market um there's so many good packs out there like uh, if you're, you know, if you're in the market for uh, upgrading a pack, don't be afraid to go used. Um, they've got good deals on good packs that, you know, you can haul meat on and it doesn't destroy you. But. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, rather than spending, let's say 250 on a brand new kind of mid tier 
type of a pack, um, man, hands down. And I, and I, I agree with you on a lot of levels with that. Like I would look for, you know, just a used, um, you know, three, four, five year old pack from one of the, what, you know, maybe like the big three, you know, um, yep. I, I sure love my Kafaru. So I would look for a Kafaru cause I yeah. like, man, if, if my pack went used right now and I sold it, like someone would be getting a heck of a deal. Cause that thing is looks brand new. I mean, I've had that thing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I've had that thing for whatever it's been five years, maybe. And I cannot get it to even, I can't even get it to show a sign of wear and tear or breaking anything or like anything coming apart or like, it's crazy. And it just keeps, I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter what load I put on it or whatever. It's, it's a shameless yeah. plug uh, for those. No, packs, they're but. dirt. No, they're dirty tough. I have a, a Kafaru as well and, and really enjoy it. And, and, uh, yeah, it looks same thing. Like I've had the same suspension, you know, I threw different bags on it just to try stuff out, but the suspension for sure, I feel like is, you know, it's, I haven't found anything that's, you know, beat it. And I've wore a few of the other packs and, and yeah, I think they make dang good pack. Um, well, and, and like you said, there's so many used ones you could go find a used, you don't have to, you know, drop 800 bucks, which you yeah. could easily do if you want to buy a new one. But well, and, yeah. and, and I, I really feel confident in saying like Snyder himself, you know, if he was prioritizing a list and, and only let's say that he only had, uh, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever the number is, you know, to spend on a new system of all these pieces of gear we're talking, like, I don't think he would put 600 of it into a new Kafaru pack. Like I, nope. I'm pretty sure that he would t say like, man, just run an external, you know, hundred dollar external frame that you pick up at, you know, some yard sale or something like that, if you have to, because, you know, when you really, but you know, if, if you've got it, then that's, there's no question that that was, man, that opened my eyes to like just the comfort level of hauling yeah. a load with these these top of the line packs is just it's un it's unmatched but yeah definitely and and while we're on the subject of packs one thing that's really been a game changer i feel like is uh bino harnesses have really evolved too i'm sure you've seen i mean there's tons of bino harnesses out there now but dude i remember just having those old crooked horn ones the bungee <laughs> ones and you jump across the creek and get smacked in the chin and you're just like <laughs> fighting mad and you're like man you know but you know and, and that was the best thing at the time but just since then i mean look at all the different vinyl harnesses now and, and I've, I've tried a few of them and, and dude they're just i mean there's really not too many bad ones i mean they're just it's just really handy and really convenient and you can put your range finder right there and everything's just right there it's just i don't know so that's if i'm on a rifle hunt i agree wholeheartedly i think that there are a ton of Bino harnesses in the last, whatever we're talking, 10 years, eight years, five years, whatever, that are just like yeah. flipping phenomenal. Like they're perfect. You know, they're so good. They really are like, however, if you're just a bow hunter or if you bow hunt from time to time, I actually disagree. Like, I think that there is a bunch of terrible ones out there that for so many reasons, like the material that they were using or the, you know, like a let's say like a, um, a magnetic, uh, clip that if you just yep. like accidentally yep. slipped on your fingers, it was going to make like a, you know, a clap sound or whatever, or, yep. you know, just like the swooshing sound of like pulling vinyls out. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're well built. They're just not, I didn't think they were well thought out for bow hunters. 
And in my experience, um, having looked at a bunch and tried a bunch, um, man, like it's hard, like that Kuyu vinyl harness is the original, uh, the OG <laughs> one, man, like the frick, they nailed it. Like, I hate yep. to say it for all my buddies out there that have built vinyl harnesses and whatever. <laughs> and I run that, yep. I run that ADAC now and it's, it's my all. it's the only other one on my list, honestly, like. There's, yeah. there's probably one there that I'm missing, but like when you really get down to the brass tacks of like, okay, like I got to open this thing up consistently within, you know, 30, 20, 30, 40 yards of a buck and not have it, you know, give me away or whatever. Like there's just so many out there that wouldn't work. Um, yeah. You know, no, I, yeah, I totally see where you're coming from as far as rifle hunting. Like you said, you get away with any of them, but yeah, dude, the OG, the, the QU, the, they were that was the first vinyl harness I ever, I ever got that thing. Dude. Yeah. We didn't it. know what we had. I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, geez. We, yeah. I thought like, Oh man, yeah. it's only going to get better from here. And then like eight years went by and I didn't feel like anyone, <laughs> like it's like they were trying to reinvent the wheel with it. And, uh, yeah, man, they, yeah, their that, new one, I tried their new one, dude. And it, it was just too, my binos were just too sloppy in it. And so I had, I had the noise problem, even though it's a quiet, it's just, they were just like, it just didn't feel right. I had, I had to go back to, uh, the other one and I've tried, uh, the marsupial and for rifle hunting, like you say, that one's awesome, but yeah, it does have the magnet. And if you're not careful, that sucker's <laughs> snapping shut. <laughs> you know, and just, and, and too, like, this is, this is to me, it seems like what would be obvious, but a lot of those that they open back up towards your body. Yeah, and dude, it's the like, FHF one. What the crap? what the heck are they thinking, man? Like, am yeah. I the only guy out there that's like, no. like, how does this work for guys and not make a noise with it? You know, it's almost like you've got to have yeah. two hands on those sometimes, and like, it's just yeah, ergonomically, it just doesn't make sense to open it up back up to you. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, geez. my good buddy had like guy I hunt with Ace Cook, straight killer. He's got one, and I still make fun of him for it. So I'm like, <laughs> dude, what are you? freaking retarded what's going on here that thing's yeah he swears by it so i guess i don't know i guess i better wear one before i start saying stuff like that but <laughs> yeah that's why you do a podcast so you can talk about stuff without you know you can say whatever you want it's fine yeah, that's right <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> oh shoot man well dude i like this has been great i've been wanting to get you on for a while i feel like you and i could like we could just BS hunting like this once a week and have a completely different conversation every single time. Yeah. Um, no, it's been good. Is there anything else on that gear list that were that you wanted to touch on or? No, I mean, I just kind of want to go back to. I mean, we kind of we kind of hit on it, but just really enjoying enjoying hunting. Don't like. I feel like a lot of people get caught up in you know and and gear's great don't get me wrong but man just hunt for the right reasons do it because you love it do it because you know it makes you feel alive and it gets you outside like so like sometimes we get away from that sometimes we get caught up in in stuff that's really not that important when it well, comes down to it and so. I'll, I'll bet you would agree that um you know tags tags and gas money over oh, gear yeah to begin with in the first place you know and that's it sounds super simple but you know, I know plenty of guys, like I know plenty of guys that are decked out in the nicest camo, have the best shooting, the best top of the line bows, um, you know, drive really, really nice trucks. 
um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole nine yards and, and yet they can't afford quote unquote to go, you know, on any more than like maybe one hunt. And you feel like they would want to, if they, if they feel like they could, but they, you know, and it's just like kind of backwards, you know, like, yep. you know, tag, tags over a year. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I've heard you say that before and I agree, man. Yeah. Tags and the, just the ability to get out. Like if, you know, if gas money limits you, you don't need gear. You need gas money because <laughs> you need to be going, you know, spending time in the Hills is, is way more important than having a, you know, a $300 puffy. So yeah. if, if you're truly into it, you know, and if you're not, then, you know, then, then you're not, and you know, whatever, yeah. like you're going to go on your one yeah. hunt a year and it's going to be in your home state and that can be good too. But you know, if, for if, sure. if you're out of one side of your mouth, you know, saying that you want to go on all these hunts and then, you know, you have a bunch of nice gear and you can't afford to go on hunts, that just isn't adding up. But Right. Um, no, I agree. One last question. Is Idaho the most underrated state <laughs> for hunting? Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you blindsided me with that one. I, you know, I'm not really going to get into that, but let me just put it this way. Um <laughs> You should just go to Utah. I heard the Wasatch Front's got giant bucks on hey, it. Uh, that's where, I think if you that's where we hunt. That's where we hunt in Utah. We're, we've been killing all those big bucks on the yeah. Wasatch. No, I mean on a serious note though, uh, I'm I've hunted. I obviously hunted Idaho. I live here in Idaho, and uh, it's there are deer and and there are elk, but it's it's hurting. I think. Uh, I think some management things, you know, and I won't go, get into it too much because I'm, you know, I don't have too much ground to stand. I don't, I'm not a biologist by any means, but just from what I've seen, um, it's, it's definitely an opportunistic state. I mean, the opportunities here, um, there are trophies. Look at Robbie Denning, man. That guy freaking kills slammers, you know, almost every single year. So, so if you have the time and the, you know, the, just the attitude of, you know, grind until you find one, You but you might grind and you might not find one here. So yeah. <laughs> definitely not. I would say it's not, but yeah, I don't know. Guy Eastman, I think he, didn't he put that out in one of the Eastman's recently? It's the, I don't know. Pretty sure he, he, most under, I think, I think he said it's like the best, yeah, best, opportunity state there isn't and he's oh for sure yeah yeah and i i hundred percent like no question opportunity state meaning like you know how many other states are left where we can just go pick up a tag over the counter you know yeah it's it's just mark my words it's not going to be around forever you know and it it probably it probably won't be around for long even um you know even like you know wyoming is you know now that i'm a resident i'm really a lot more invested in what we're doing here too. And, you know, I I get the same kind of feeling there. Like it's, you know, it's nice to be in these States um, that offer a lot of tags and a lot of opportunity. I mean, as a, as a Wyoming resident, I can go buy my deer tag over the counter for these units, you know, region G for example, that takes non-residents six or seven or probably eight years now. (laughs) Right. And it's like, that's nice, but it comes at a cost and the cost is, you know, like you said, the, the quality over the quantity, you know, I mean, I would, yeah, there, there's no question though. I yeah. mean, Idaho, you know, it's, it's just a good, um, back pocket. If you're a guy that's, 
um, you know, if you're from there, there's a no brainer, but if, if you're close and, you know, need to pick up an extra tag, um, yeah, man, oh, yeah. It's, there's just a ton of ground to get lost in and a lot of bucks and bulls there that, you know, that probably go through a hunting season and don't get seen by a lot of guys. Um, if yeah, you're, if you no, willing there's... to put the work in, which, yeah. which, and, and, and that, that, like, that's why, that's why it's okay to talk about it, man. Cause like, there's, there's no slim pickings there. Like there, there, there's, sorry, there's no low hanging fruit really. Like, you know, no. unless it's a draw hunt <laughs> no. and you know, if, if we've all learned one thing in this life, it's the, if it takes a lot of hard work, no, like most guys aren't going to do it. Like that's just, yep. you can say it until you're blue in the face and guys can hear it or whatever. And like you, we were talking and kind of going full circle here with this podcast, like, you know, that's why you're successful there is because you, you put in the, like you said, like maybe 20 days before that, you know, or you're willing to mm -hmm. sit in the rain or you're willing to go, you know, you're willing to get in the back country or, you know, get, you know, invest in the pack animals or whatever the case is. And like most guys just aren't. And so re rest yeah. assured, I mean, it's just not gonna, you know, no, it's, it's not going to be easy, but it, it, it is, there is opportunity here. And, and I would, I would rather have a tag every year to be able to hunt than to have to wait, you know, five or six years. Um, just cause I feel like my, my odds go up. If I go out and grind for five years and, you know, eventually something's going to happen, you yeah. know, and it has, and that's, that's where I'm at, but there definitely needs to, yeah, there's, there's some management things I think that could be different. And, and, uh, and I think we'll see some changes hopefully here in the, in the future for, for this state and i'm sure we'll see them for other states too but um yeah just get out and hunt yeah well and and you know just if anyone's wondering like just the process in idaho too i and i think you guys have a really good system where they make you choose first off like if you're putting in in the draw which um you know if you're gonna hunt there in the fall over the counter um i think you would agree like you might as well buy the permit and just put in for some of those really tough to draw um tags maybe you know um i mean yeah. as a resident i don't think it hurts your odds to say that or whatever you know if you got a bunch of non-residents putting in but no i mean non-residents are only they're only supposed to get 10 percent of you know those right. tags so, i mean they're already they're all allocated and dude for sheep holy crap right but if you go look at like unit dude. you know some of the top sheep units guess who gets the tags <laughs> so um uh yeah, yeah for an out-of-stater you know well and 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 i like that they make you choose right so meaning you have to choose right off if you put in an application for sheep moose or goat you then are out of the draw for deer and elk now you can still buy an over-the-counter but you yeah, can't put in in the draw, right, for some of those like premium uh, later yep. season or whatever hunts, right? So that's yep. a, that's one thing that I like. Um, they kind of make you choose there because you guys don't have bonus points, right? And if if you had bonus yep. points, I would at least like you know, you know, it, it would be a little bit different conversation. Um, but there's no bonus points, and so it's not like sitting out of the elk and deer draw hurts you in the future of having a chance to draw a tag because there's no bonus points. And so it doesn't matter if you didn't get a point last year, there are no points to get. So, and right. then, um, yeah. And so then if you don't put in for that, uh, sheep, moose and goat, if you don't put an app in, then you're allowed to put in an app for the deer, elk and antelope too, right? Antelope. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. then, uh, you know, there, there, and there's some pretty sweet hunting dates, um, you know, on some pretty sought after units and, and there's, like you said, there's, there's, that's the other thing is there are no bonus points. So every year that you put in, it's just, 
your odds are your odds. It's like New Mexico. Um, and anymore, yeah. man, anymore. I'm, I love those States. Um, you know, they, they, they all have their, they all have their pluses and minuses. Um, yeah. It, and, and if, if I lived outside of Idaho, man, Idaho would be the state for sure, because you have, you know, the same chances as a resident, you can come by an over the counter tag, just like, just like anybody here. So I think it gets, it gets worked over pretty hard. Um, you know, you're, you're going to see people, but yeah, the opportunities here and, and, uh, I hunt out of state too. So I can't be like, Oh, dang out of state or, you know, cause it's, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to yeah. do that, but, but yeah, I think, I think there's a few things that, that need to change, but, and we might see that here in the future. I think, you know, the prices are going to come up or they've talked about that for out of staters. Um, cause yeah. dude, I know it's cheap. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the whore of the Western States. I mean, let's be honest. So yeah. you, you right but, there with Utah too. But. Yeah. 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 Utah, I mean, you put in for everything for, Dirt, for a nice yeah. steak dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, cool, man. Um, Man, I want to give you credit here as I wrap up. Uh, you know, we've been about an hour and a half, plus my batteries are about dead. Uh, so that's oh. just a good indication that it's time to wrap it up. But I want to give you credit for just, you know, like I started this podcast with. I mean, you know, you're the you're the definition of a guy that, um, you know, just public land gets after it. Um, you know, most people don't know who Kyle Williams was. Like, you know, some of these other people who get a lot more FaceTime, and yet you – you know, you probably hunt harder and you kill bigger stuff. And, um, oh, I don't is, know about that. Man. Well, re- recently <laughs> at least. And, and I, there's yeah. no reason to think you won't keep doing it. So, um, uh, yeah, th- thanks for coming on and thanks for uh, sharing some, you know, some knowledge and, and, uh, gear, you know, gear info and, and the whole nine yards there. So, no, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's been cool. I, uh, I, you know, I'm not, concerned if too many people know who i am just because i really just love hunting and uh yeah i just love to hunt and enjoy it and love talking hunting with people like you so yeah i appreciate it dude yeah buddy well thanks and uh hopefully we'll see you uh, on a trip this year we need to get that maybe get something lined up there and uh yeah dude i'm green with jealous envy of of your uh current status of being a Wyoming resident you yeah. have no idea <laughs> so, yeah yeah let's get in touch with that for sure because <laughs> it's uh you, you're in a very special place for sure yep all right buddy well have a good one and uh thanks for coming on all right thanks man we'll talk to you later okay see you brother hey everybody thank you for listening to the finding backcountry podcast if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.